The reunion is over, and it was wonderful. I stayed till 1.30 in the morning. I hear somebody stayed until 4.30. We got our orange and blue shirts. Jimmy spoke incredibly eloquently in his backyard, welcoming us all there. I felt more than adequately feted for infusing our class of 1983 with more energy. And then they asked me to speak and I had nothing. I should have known that would have been the perfect opportunity to do a poem, but I didn't have anything. I also said that I had already done my last episode of 83 Dutchman. Well, that turns out not to have been true. Hi, everybody. It's Taylor Molly. I'm back with another episode of 83 Dutchman. How could I stop when the fiscal year doesn't end until June 30th? We had an amazing reunion, but now I am trying to get our class to the highest level of participation in funding as possible. And that at least deserves a couple more episodes. And one of them is going to be quite easy. I asked everyone, even if you weren't there, Everybody in the class of 1983, send me a voice memo, especially if you have an iPhone. It's really easy. I message me a, a voice memo about the highlights, what it was like to be, to be there. Some have said it's like a wedding where you saw all these wonderful people and knew you wouldn't be able to see them all in the time that was there. Allotted. Some were not there. Some had good reasons. Some wanted to be there but couldn't. They were in foreign countries. Send me a voicemail memo and... I mean, a voice memo, and I'll stitch them all together and make that an episode. Like you're coming back after a vacation and you still have a 1970s era answering machine and you're playing all of these messages of people who are talking about the same party or the same period in your life. That's going to be called the voice memories episode and thinking that I was asking him to send me one of those, I asked Carl Sloven, who used to be a member of the class of 1983, but graduated with the class of 1984. I asked Carl to send me a voice memo, and he did, but it was 12 minutes long. Who knew you could send a 12-minute voice memo, iPhone to iPhone, but apparently you can. It was a little too long to use in the voice memo episode that I'm working on, but it was so good that I want to release it by itself. So here is a longer voice memo than you'll hear later in another episode from Carl Sloven. Hey, Taylor. Uh, it's Carl Sloven here. Hope you're doing well. It's been a minute. Um, I just actually sent Jason Stell's podcast to Erica Green and Jenny Bruce, who are two of my best friends still um and i just uh want to thank you for uh, i don't know including me in all of this um as jimmy did as well i wish i could have come and oh boy listening to these podcasts is is truly amazing i uh i just finished lucas's and want to reach out for him now um but uh I don't know. I was thinking about the Bill Dave Club and the sky rink skating that we did and just uh, 
what a, a strange time it was to be growing up in the 70s and the 80s in New York City. Um, and I was thinking about Jason Stell when he got huge and would tell me that I could do ab work every day. Um, yeah. Lucas is describing uh, coming back from Italy and the process of being put in the class of 84, not feeling punitive to him um, was really something that just like grabbed a hold of me because when I was held back um, and as you versus the way you put it, you know, repeating a grade, um, being held back was sort of the active the school taking me and punishing me. And I did feel that it was punitive. Um, and I do remember my parents giving me a choice to go to a new school. And I remember being in our living room and looking at this gray carpet and crying onto the floor. Um, and the reason that I wanted to go back to collegiate was because of you guys, because I have my friends and, um, I remember tracing Jason Stell's initials in the in the carpet, um, but it you know that was tough. It, it didn't work out the way that I had hoped it would, and I was so embarrassed on having to do fourth grade again that I actually remember hiding from you guys for probably fourth and fifth grade, maybe even sixth grade. Um, I was so embarrassed, um, and I would run, you know, down the hallways. I remember we were we. Fifth, fourth, fifth, sixth grade, we were on one floor and the, the class, we were in one classroom, I think, most of the day. And I remember the classrooms having these kind of thin, long prison like windows. And when I would walk down the hall and I knew you guys were in one of those classrooms, I would bolt past it so that you wouldn't see me. Um, and it was, you know, it was a terrible choice on my part to stay at Collegiate at that time. And I'm probably a choice that my parents should have made for me. Um, but, you know, of course, that was the year just before my parents were divorced and not uh, not the best year for me. Um, I do feel like I was lucky and made a lot of great friends in the class of 84 and probably was for the best in a lot of ways to do fourth grade again but boy was that scarring for a long time and really you know had a sense of myself myself as not being a smart kid um for for many years probably till i got to wesleyan um i don't know you talked a lot about studio 54 and the various uh interviews and uh I don't know why I want to share this, but Arthur Alchul doing cocaine with Arthur Alchul in the uh, on the like eighth balcony of Studio Fifty Four. Probably more than a few will remember that. Um, and surprisingly, you said you'd never went there, which I thought we were all required to go there for graduation at some point or before they'd let us graduate. Um, so, all right. So, my life in three minutes after collegiate, um, Wesleyan class of '88, uh, graduated with high honors, which. You know, it was a big deal for me after being held back in fourth grade and made to feel stupid or believed that I was. Um, after uh, college, went and lived in Indonesia for a spell with my uh, close friend Peter Seraf, um, who then later went on to marry my high school girlfriend, uh, Erica Green. And we're still all very, very close. And, uh, you know, our kids are close. And it's really sort of a nice 
the story there. Um, I got uh, into the NYU graduate school uh, for film, uh, for the film program, and um, I didn't learn very much there, uh, but I did meet my wife, Laura, to whom I'm still married, which is uh, kind of amazing. We were married in 1995, and we moved out to L.A., and we've lived here ever since. Um, she's actually in New York with my daughter, who just graduated from uh, Columbia Barnard, um, and they're coming back tomorrow. Um, let's see. After that, made a couple shitty feature films, um, one of which um, was in New York and was based on a play that Paul Weitz wrote, um, and then one was out here in L.A., and they both were shitty. Um, then got out of the film business in 1999 and got into the real estate business and was a developer for many years out here, and as we came out of the you know, the Great Recession, I really grew the company out to be quite large at one point. Um, but going back, our first child, Charlotte, who just graduated, was born in 2001. Um, and I remember clearly her being an infant laying on the bed between us when my brother Eric called us about the World Trade Center going down. Um, I'm sure that you know, it was a day we all remember well. Um, so she's starting ABC News in two weeks, which is great. Uh, just got a job there. Um, wants to be in journalism. Our son Benjamin was born in 2003. Uh, he's currently a computer science and Arabic studies uh, sophomore, almost a junior at uh, University of Chicago. And our son Maxwell was born three years after Benjamin, and he's completing his uh, sophomore year in high school. So... He's downstairs right now working on his electronic music composition and selling his beats, whatever that means. Um, he's all in on that. Um, he's just started driving, which, you know, at 16 is intimidating for the parents. Um, and, uh, of course, he thinks he's the best driver in the world. Um, let's see. I mentioned Erica Green, who you may remember as being my high school girlfriend and much of college, and uh, she married my close friend Peter, um, Jenny Bruce, who we talked about a moment ago. We were all just texting, um, thinking about Jason's recollection of working and your recollection of Frank Belizia and his weird underage girlfriend, and that was not a memory that I had until you started laying it out which I can now quite I can remember clearly um that was a that was an interesting time um like I said coming out of the great recession I built my company up to uh be quite large and we had uh, roughly a billion dollars assets under management before the pandemic hit um and uh we got our wings clipped pretty hard um the city of Los Angeles put together a politically motivated and terribly constructed eviction moratorium. So for those of us in the multifamily world of apartments, um, was a pretty bad hit. And um, it's, been, it's been rough. We're still not out of it. Um, we probably have another year or so of uh, trying to deal with the aftermath um, of that. And I had about 100 employees before the pandemic. And I skinnied it up to eight and um, moved us to a, a four-day work week. 
um, which has been kind of amazing, and I think everybody loves it, and I know I love it. Um, that that said, I'm I'm a little bit over the apartment business. Um, ready to take on something new, um, maybe a little bit less businessy. Um, over the last eight years, I've been building this resort hotel on the Hudson River. Um, it's like an event place. Uh, it's called the Hutton Brickyards. And um, it's the last remaining brick manufactory on the Hudson River. Uh, there were about 100 brick manufacturing facilities built there after New York City burned um, in 1840 for the fourth time. Um, they grew up on the Hudson River because of all the clay that's there. And so the old buildings are still there, but I've developed it into a hotel and event location for weddings um, and, you know, corporate events, wellness retreats. We had two Bob Dylan concerts there, which was pretty cool a few years ago. So check that out, HuttonBrickyards.com. Um, that's my passion project, I, I guess my legacy project, the thing that uh, I think my kids will probably remember me for more than anything. Um, maybe that and taking them around the world, which has been sort of our great pleasure. My wife and I love to travel. Um, so, you know, I get to Kingston, I don't know, Kingston, New York, once every six weeks. I get to see my family in the city. Uh, my brother, Eric, you may remember, is married with one kid living in Brooklyn Heights. Um, we just took a nice trip to Morocco together uh, with his family, and our kids are, you know, tight as can be. Um, my parents are both still alive. Dad's got dementia which is rough, um, and mom's husband fell uh, and cracked his skull at the beginning of the pandemic, um, and he's not been the same since. So, but, you know, the parent, the parent situation's not easy. Um, I'm close still with a couple of the guys from Collegiate from 84, uh, Matt Snyder, Tim Robbins, Federico Quadrani, and uh, Fed's son just graduated college yesterday so it's kind of wild to see other people's kids grow up it feels so much faster than your own um matt snyder and i try to get breakfast once a month here in la we do pretty good with that and uh you know i'm close with him and his wife and his kids i've been meeting with uh philip schneidman and spencer harrington uh when i'm in new york i try to have dinner with them and Tim when I'm there. Uh, what else? I'm a weekend uh, warrior road cyclist. Uh, my buddies and I, we do like um, once a year, we'll do a century ride to raise money for Juvenile Diabetes Research Fund. That's our group. Um, my wife and I love to travel, like I said, and we've taken our kids all over the world. And I think that's what they'll remember from their childhood, that they were exposed to the world. Um, and I think my kids and I are the only ones who've never gotten COVID. So there you go. So that's what he sends me at first, right? A little too long to include with other voice memos that are all going to be considerably shorter from guys saying it was great to see everybody there. Carl didn't sit for me for uh, 83 Dutchman, and he wasn't there. So I wanted to hear from him and let him have his his piece and tell us about about his life. But I did also want him to respond to the episode that we did with Alan Friedman, 
where I mean, Alan Alan Friedman was shot at at on in a hotel in Kabul and watched one of his colleagues uh, in international aid die right in front of his face. But I also asked Alan uh, whether he remembers this song by Tom Lehrer called National Brotherhood Week that includes where, you know, if all the Catholics hate the Protestants and the Protestants hate the Catholics, all the Hindus hate all the Muslims and everybody hates the Jews. But during National Brotherhood Week and Alan loved it and wanted to play the song again. And Mrs. Malanzi in fourth grade would have done so except that Carl Sloven had pulled her aside and said, I'm Jewish and I object to that line. And so I always wanted to know whether Carl, you know, what was going on. And so uh, I asked him, uh, I guess in a text, do you remember being insulted? And here's what he said. I don't remember that at all, but I loved Tom Lehrer and the year, that was the year that was, I think I probably burned a few needles up on the record player playing that album over and over again. Don't know why I objected to the lyrics, because it is true comedy, but I suspect, you know, back in the day, just like your memory of being Jewish uh, in New York, it was was a, a thing that perhaps... We felt a little persecuted still. Now, hold up. That's not quite what I said. And I'm going to edit this as if Carl and I had a conversation when we didn't. He just sent me voice memos and I've edited it to sound like we're having a conversation. Um, But he's conflating two things. It would be ridiculous for me to claim that growing up Jewish in New York City is difficult, even though I know that. And I celebrate Shabbat. Now, I grew up Episcopalian. I grew up nothing, you know, a nothing, nothing Christian. But my dad vaguely identified with being Episcopalian. And I don't even know what my mother was. I, I was a C&E Christian. Um, but my dad's mother, one of her grandparents, two of her grandparents were German Jewish immigrants in 1850. They both died young, and my grandmother's father, Albert Strauss, he did okay for himself. But he's the one who, I guess, converted. He, he grew up Episcopalian, and he married a famous Quaker, or someone who was descended from a famous Quaker. And so my father's mother grew up saying thee and thou, and she was, if anything, a Quaker. And yet, when they got married, there were whispers they got married in the 19 in 1930 and there were whispers that my grandfather had married a girl who was probably jewish and so i talked about that with carl and we talked about the like inherited stigma i also asked carl if he could respond to a specific memory i had of a conversation between just him and me when I asked him, I want to get this right, because he didn't respond to this specifically, but I put it in a text. In fourth grade, I asked you if Jew was a bad word. I meant the noun, not the verb, of course. And you assured me that it was not. But I was like, really? And you said, yes, you can call me a Jew because I am a Jew. And I was like, stop calling yourself that, except that I didn't say that out loud. And I felt like a white 
rapper from the suburbs asking his African-American friends if he had finally earned the right to use the N-word. Not, of course, that's a terrible comparison. And Carl said he had utterly no memory of that. And that must be how we got on the subject of me growing up with this like weird, you know, my, my father said that his mother um, had always had these whispers around her back that, that her father had grown up Jewish and converted to Episcopalianism. Ridiculous. Um, anyway, here is how Carl um, closed out his second voice memo. So uh, I wish I could say that I remember that class and that day with the uh, the records coming in, um, but uh, I don't. And um, Alan Friedman's interview is amazing, and what a life, what an amazing guy. Uh, I wish I could be nearly as insightful as he. I don't know, Carl Sloven. You are pretty insightful yourself. That's it for this week. Please send me a voice memo like Carl did, but you can make it shorter. Or maybe it's going to be, that's the way we're going to do episodes. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. Um, June is crunch time, so if you haven't made a donation to the school, I'm going to start sending you an increasingly... Uh, nagging emails to try to get you to make a donation or to try to get you to tell me that you will never make a donation and then I can just mark you as do not solicit. You come out of the denominator, you're going to help our average anyway and there is nothing wrong with that. There are plenty of guys who have very good reasons for not wanting to give to the collegiate school but they still want to be a part of the class of 1983. And I want you to be a part. I want you to be a part of this community, uh, whether or not you're ever gonna be, give, make, a, make a donation to the school. But tell me, tell me that you never will um, and, and you can help us that way. All right, send me a voice memo, make a gift, join the WhatsApp group. I'll see you soon. <laughs>